4: It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action.
3: Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber live from separate locations. On this final trading day of the month, Powell speaks at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And the president is expected to roll out some responses to China's Hong Kong law As the showdown with Twitter gets escalated, this time around the Minneapolis protests. Oil's near 33 on pace for its best month in history, Jim. But uh, the focus is squarely on Twitter and this rule violation that the president's account got slapped with. And then the White House account, the official White House account, then retweets.
4: We're all kind of confused as uh, Mark Benioff, who is... Uh, against this uh, obscure regulation that that gives these companies an exception uh, to do it, to actually a fair time, many are confused as journalists. It seems that President Trump wants to. Uh, Create his own enemy with uh, if you start regulating these companies rather than having the exception, then they 're always going to have to put a uh, a counter to what president Trump wants I, I think uh, what he may not understand is is free speech is nasty. Uh, what he had until this was a a, a great run of things, and he 's going to make it rather uh, rather tough for him to be as aggressive as he likes to be on twitter and he doesn 't have press conferences that work because of all the displeasure he had with, uh, with regular reporters. So I don't know. He's dis- disintermediating himself from his public, which is, I think, a strange thing. David, you know that that's, if he becomes regulated, uh, if it's journalism, well, it's a nightmare for him.
1: Yes. Uh, if, in fact, he is held to uh, a standard of truth and fact, that could be somewhat difficult. Now, there's a lot of interpretation that goes on in that. Um, But, I mean, you know, Jim, there sort of are two separate things going on here. There is the executive order from yesterday and people trying to understand and interpret what exactly is behind that and what that would allow for. Uh, And then there is still the consternation that you have had for quite some time uh, that comes from Mark Zuckerberg's interview yesterday with Andrew Sorkin. And just in general, the idea that Facebook continues to say it's not our issue as to whether you lie on the platform
4: right, well, and look, whether a, you I,
1: spread lies.
4: I'm going to baron uh, a Sacha Cohen fed and, and when he gave his fabled speech about how Facebook would take um, be willing to take. Uh, advertisements from Goebbels, it, it was to mention World War Two and to mention that, you know, is uh, off limits. But what he said is that that's the ethos of Facebook. Uh, and I think that what's happened is, is that Facebook has, of course, agrees with uh, President Trump uh, that anything goes. But anything goes is is inexpensive and it's expensive to have the other side. Can you imagine in the thousands of pages, it's every second that, that are produced on Facebook that someone would have to sort through them? It, it, like they have to do with the New York Times? It's almost impossible, so I totally get the dilemma. But, Carl, when, when we look at this situation, we we have to say there's one out of four people are unemployed. Uh, we have incredible numbers declining uh, in consumption. But we may run out of stimulus. And we're debating uh, Jack Dorsey's putting a caveat to the president. And it almost seems a little surreal, doesn't it?
3: Well, you're suggesting that it's... Uh Another exercise in distraction?
4: Well, I don't know whether it's distraction or or a fit of pique or temper. I mean we, we have a major problem on our hands and I- uh, we have a a, a health care problem that 's turned into a major economic problem boy i think it 's an all hands on deck uh, i 'm going to get you later twitter let 's get people jobs uh, that that 's what right. p- w- what I would be focused on is that 's like 1932, 33 of President Roosevelt focused on the fact that someone criticized him uh for something he did uh, as he was Secretary of navy and is now giving money to the navy uh, we got to Really focus on some of this unemployed situation is one out of uh, four.
3: Miller-Tabak's out. Miller-Tabak's out with a comment this morning, Jim. And we're going to spend some time obviously talking about Twitter. It's a public company. Uh, It gets a lot of attention. But the Hong Kong response that we do get, that we expect to get from the White House today, they argue, is much more important. The president moments ago just tweeted one word, China. They did vow a response to this Hong Kong security bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a general uh, in China who suggested they could attack Taiwan in the last-ditch effort to, to keep them from getting full independence. And then you had J.P. Morgan's uh, Kalanovic last night, Jim, one of their head quants, saying they're dialing back their positive outlook on stocks in part because a full breakdown of U.S.-China relations, in their words, would justify equities trading drastically lower.
4: Well, look, when Peter Navarro was on last... Uh I asked Becky to ask him about about Taiwan, and he 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 wasn't willing to go there. I mean, obviously, that's the hottest of hot buttons. Uh, there's 26 million, you know, 26 million people in Taiwan. By the way, they only had seven deaths of COVID. I mean, they they really got yeah. some things down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, China's no sideshow. I mean, we got the best stocks have been the technology stocks. Now, of course, yes, Facebook has no China and Alphabet has no China and Netflix has no China. You know, China hasn't let these companies in. They have mimicking companies. But China's big and the president is taking us to a 1947 Soviet versus United States posture. It's about containing China, containing China militarily. And we've become cold warriors again. And I think to ignore that uh, is, is to ignore history. At the time in 1947, Russia was much more powerful than they are now. But, yeah, I mean, here we are uh, back in a, an era where we're uh, waiting for the Berlin Wall, the equivalent of the Berlin Wall. Well, we have a wall that China already built. But, yeah, I'm concerned. I mean, right. I'm concerned about unemployment at the same time of having a big war with China. And I've been probably the least on air uh, favorite of the PRC. But I, I don't know. I mean, you've you got to solve the employment problem first. There's a lot of people yeah. looking well, for jobs.
1: Having, a, having a, a deepened economic war with China is certainly not going to do that. I mean, the, the unexpected consequences of a pandemic, I think we will continue to see. Jim, if I told you at the beginning of this that wearing face masks would become a, a partisan issue, if I had told you that it would significantly deepen the, um, the hostility between China and the U.S., you might also have been surprised at that. But those are the things we're dealing with. We'll hear from Jerome Powell, by the way, uh, a bit later this morning in terms of the economic consequences that he continues to see and monitor as a result of the pandemic Jim but China's got to be right at the top I would think as well of at least risks
4: well, yesterday, the market was flying. It looked like a great day. And then as we got closer and closer to uh, the deadline of when the president says he puts out those things on Twitter, he's like, going to be big or whatever. Then you start thinking, well, what happens if he does something huge? And then the Chinese come back and say, and then we always use this example, that's it. Apple, we're done. Or, or you know, you're going to do Huawei. We're going to do this or that. Uh, the, you mentioned the mask. And this is really important. People have to go read the Costco conference call. I like to bring it back to stocks. They decided to go all mask. They decided if you come in, you got to have a mask. And if you work there, you have to mask. It's protection for the associates and protection for the customers. And uh, they actually think that while initially it's going to be received poorly, that most people are going to want to shop at a place with wide aisles and masks because they don't want to get sick when they go to the store. I think Costco is one of the most intelligent companies in the world. And that's where this is going. And by the way, they, can, they only have one store in China, but they can put up many. I think that people have to go read that conference call and recognize what a forward-looking company is thinking. That the populace, the 52 million people, 55 million people who are, who are club members, want to see masks on people. So it is div- as divisive as I've ever seen, David. Just divisive. I wear a mask everywhere.
1: I'm aware that you wear a mask uh, and, and I, I did as well definitely. when I went into Home yep. Depot the other day and everybody in there was masked, although there was one associate, a young gentleman, who was not, um, which was interesting. An
4: apostate. But
1: uh yeah. Say again. He's an apostate.
4: I gotta tell you that <laughs> Home Depot don't would know. not be happy yeah, about I, that.
1: I, I, no, I know. I didn't wanna I don't wanna you know I don't know the guy's name, so he's in no trouble. But uh Yeah, uh, I was a bit surprised, but everybody else was wearing masks. But in this part of the country, I think that is more the rule than the exception, guys. Uh, However, parts of the country that have reopened, that have not seen, thankfully, a significant amount of the virus, Carl, uh, are taking a different approach. And that is sort of where we're looking to see how things go as well uh, as their economies come back to almost sort of uh, full levels. Not quite Wow.
3: Yeah, I mean, putting some of the reopening headlines in perspective for the week. We had Disney. Uh, U.S. Virgin Islands is going to start reopening uh, for tourism. I see Southwest is going to start renewing some flights to Mexico. Uh, English Premier League in Europe. Apple stores, Jim, we know all about that. The Texas governor, Abbott, saying that uh, professional sports spectators could return. Uh, You're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, maybe with 25% capacity. But... Um, David's right. I mean, the states that have had uh, loosening of restrictions just about by any measure have not seen the dramatic escalation in cases that we sort of
4: feared. We have a stock. It's called DraftKings. I had them on last week. And DraftKings is a measure of how much betting there can be. And of course, you need sports to bet on. And as you see that stock go up, that's that's a lead indicator that we're going to have regular seasons. But uh, the big issue is what happens to the fans and who gets are we going to have ABC classes. Are they going to give us our money back? I already paid for my season tickets for the Eagles. I don't know. But DraftKings is a sign of reopening. Look, the re, the, the, there are two right. countries right now. There's a there's a, a part of the country where I can't uh, have a table and chair in front of my bar. And then there's a, a other parts of the country where they're packed. Uh, and yeah. well, this is just I cannot believe the the parts of the country, how different they are. Uh, but we all there are many people who are skeptical that they open things up. And other than Wisconsin, I'm not seeing a noticeable tick up. And I think we have to be aware of that. We also have to be aware that 48 percent um, of the people who have died were in nursing homes.
1: Yeah. Well, here's a hopeful thought, guys. I mean, it's possible that if all goes well, we could have basketball, baseball,
4: hockey, and football all still going at the same time. But if you're a, a Knicks fan, a, a Jets fan, and a Mets fan, why is that hope for you? What? What's hopeful about it? <laughs> first of all, if you're a Mets fan, <laughs> that, you can much still
1: have Was hope in the first
5: place? I, 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 yeah, I, and if you're a I, Jets fan, the
1: season hasn't even started yet. If you're a Knicks fan, understood, understood, you have no hope. You may not have hope for years. But thank you for that real, uh, you know, I appreciate I'd just that. like to give you a right? heads yeah. up, Dave. Right. You know,
4: Dave, Dave. <laughs> oh, he daved
1: me, too. We'll not t- only did we'll- he insult all my teams, but he daved me. Great. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah.
3: We're now worth to Dave. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break here, guys. A lot to get to this morning. we got to get our way through uh, William Sonoma. Jim mentioned Costco, Nordstrom, and, of course, uh, Jay Powell. Coming up uh, with Alan Blinder, a virtual uh, forum Q&A moderated by Blinder at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That's coming up uh, later on this morning. So stay tuned for that. Back in a minute.
0: Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help.
5: The face of retail fundamentally changing in a discontinuous manner right now and moving more and more to uh, online uh, kind of e-commerce, um, really accelerating two to five years from the secular trend it was already on. That's
3: PayPal's down. Interesting, to Manon, Jim, of course. Jim last night on Mad Money talking about the... Uh, the fundamental shift in e-commerce, and uh, Jim, that's being reflected
4: in names like William
3: Sonoma today.
4: Oh, what a great quarter that Laura Albers delivered! Let's—you always try to think, where did they get those home offices that look so nice? Well, it turns out a lot of them are going not to William Sonoma but williamsonoma.com. Why? Because half the, store, the stores were closed. All the stores were closed for half the quarter, and yet she still delivered. Pottery Barn Children also did quite well. That That's just a person who's a visionary. It's, I think that she has seen a lot of this coming, but it accelerated, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, Ulta, they've got a terrific... Uh, They've got both a terrific club and a dot-com. It's saving them. Uh, Nordstrom talking much more about their dot-com. That's going to keep a bid underneath that stock. If you don't have one, if you're not omnichannel, you're off your game and it's hard to catch up. PayPal, obviously, fantastic for omnichannel and uh, Dan Schulman is, uh, had his best day ever, uh, May 1. We are in some weird moment where I am surrounded by, right here, uh, by companies that have either a great omni-channel or bad. By the way, the one that I think is the most that's most positive that no one talks about is Costco, which had very good numbers. But people are concerned that Costco mm-hmm. spent so much money on uh, converting their place uh, to a, less, you know, to a place that defends against COVID, uh, I really like Costco here. Uh, but some of these retailers are so clever, you really got to hand it to them. They've really adjusted quickly. Yeah.
1: You know, also, Jim, there, there is a, a thought that companies that are making investments now or doing those kinds of things, and even bigger things, if they're in an, in an advantage position, they have the cover to do it. You know, they can go do. Um, the big investments that they might have held off on for fear that people were too, you know, that investors were so focused on every penny of EPS. Uh, this gives them a little more leeway in some ways, the, the, the pandemic
4: and the willingness of investors to sort of take whatever they get. Well, th- this is a great point, David. Salesforce was on last night, Mark Pennyup. And uh, Mark was telling me uh, offline that this is a 2008, 2009 moment. Now, that's when I first met Mark. He decided, you know what? We're going to spend and we're going to crush everybody. This is our chance because there's such disarray. Now, a lot of people are disappointed in the uh, guidance that he gave. Uh, he also took a billion off of what he thought he'd make. Mark is not going to charge customers as much as he would have. He's being, he's forbearing because he wants to win. This is a share take moment, and he's taking no prisoners. Uh, it is incredible. By the way, David, you've got to look into his ATT deal. What he's saying is basically the new, the is now being run by Touchpoint, uh, that they integrating, and it's all Salesforce. Uh, but that deal is that deal's going to be great for Salesforce, but they're not going to clean up initially. I like someone who says, this is 2008-9, and it is my chance to be able to take advantage of the disarray of everybody else, but I'm not going to make as much money the next quarter. That's intelligent. It's going to hurt them because of all the short-termism on Wall Street. They want it now. But Salesforce is the bet out for the next year. And I know that's just a huge amount of time between now and then. But it also ran ahead, which was stupid. No one, if you were um, close to it, even, you know, Carl asked me yesterday, said channel checks aren't that good. No, they're, they're, they're forbearing. PayPal's forbearing, too.
1: Right. Uh, Well, as you pointed out, Jim, uh, and Benioff, of course, joined you last night. Uh, The company did guide what is thought to be very conservatively for the back end of the year. Let's listen to Benioff discuss uh, the outlook.
4: I am actually
1: incredibly optimistic and encouraged because my belief very strongly is that if you can navigate through the last 90 days, you can navigate through anything. And this was a quarter of trust. I mean, we, this is where we had our values on our sleeve. Values on our there sleeve. There is a concern, though, Jim, or a question as to do they see a second wave? Is that part of their back end concern as to why, you know, they guided so conservatively? Or is it as just you were saying?
4: Uh, Mark is convinced that if, unless you do uh, contact trace, uh, unless you have a plan for uh, the reawakening that includes the notion that we could have a W recovery, so to speak, that that the disease is not going to go away, uh, you're go- you're g- going to get hurt. And he uh, has set up. Uh, by the way, Rhode Island's governor was integral in setting this up with Mark. And there are a lot of states that are going his way. I think that they, he is becoming a a closet government about how to reopen. Uh, work.com, if people want to know more about that. Uh, again, it's a long-term thing. And, David, long-term, uh, it's out of fashion. I like it.
3: <laughs> right, guys, we'll take another quick break here. A lot to get to as we await Powell at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll talk about the uh, month end here. Watch for signs of reallocation as uh, the market's had a very good month. Back in a minute. What's on the
0: horizon for financial markets?
6: Coming off the S&P's first decline in
3: four sessions, futures are weak again on this final day of the month as we await Powell and the president on China and maybe more. We're back in a moment.
1: Welcome back. Let's get in a mad dash as we count you down to the opening bell. About four minutes from now, not going to be a good morning for canopy growth shares, Jim.
4: No, there's been a uh, sotto voce rally in the uh, cannabis stocks. And a lot of them are keying off of this one, which is probably the best capitalized, got a couple billion dollars. And it reported a number that was definitely suboptimal, David, including revenues down 13 percent, primarily driven by lower Canadian recreational revenue. I mean, in other words, a lack of demand. Uh, and they do have a ready-to-drink beverage that does sound intriguing for those who uh, fancy this, uh, but it's not selling well. And what I find is this is this is the uh, this is the one that everyone keys off of. So you're going to see the whole group come down. Uh, And all I can tell you is, is that this stock ran into the quarter and no one could figure out why, other than the fact that they felt maybe Constellation, which owns a big piece of it, and the CEO of Canopy comes from Constellation, maybe there was something big happening. Well, yeah, there was a slowing in demand. And I think it took some people by surprise.
1: Hey, Jim, it just occurs to me, given how many states are going to be under significant pressure in terms of their budgets because of shortfalls in revenues, Any chance that we get a wave of legalization in the states in terms of cannabis here in the U.S.? Not to mention, by the way, legalization of gambling, too. I mean, anything that would raise revenues right now, you have to assume states are looking at.
4: Totally on board. Think it can happen. Uh, There are some uh, profitable companies in in this in this country already. Uh, But, yes, it's I think it's. I would put this thing on a ballot in a heartbeat. I mean, there's enough illegal trade that you just want to capture some of it and get some taxes. But I think you're right, David. I mean, I I think that soda taxes, plastic bag tax, anything. Uh, The shortfalls are going to be humongous. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the Nancy Speaker Pelosi uh, is very worried about the states. The Republicans obviously want to hold off, as they've been saying over and over again. But that is going to make it so that it's uh, a state scramble. Some states like Illinois have been really good at profiting. Uh, Massachusetts, not so good. Uh, You really have to have your game on. You have to have stores that are ready and not regulated by municipalities because they get in the way. David, you have some candidates? Yeah, no, or... I thought
1: Carl might chime in there. Oh, I, I but, that, uh, that was a
3: cannabis problem. No, I, I, yeah. uh, I, David, I was thinking exactly what you were thinking, especially given some of the comments uh, from Governor Cuomo. You know, New York's had some uh, close brushes with getting right. this past the state legislature. Same with New Jersey. But maybe this is the thing, David, that uh, gets that over the hill.
1: Yeah, that's no. I mean, if you're Cuomo right now, you're looking for any opportunity, by the way, it's not going to come near closing the budget gap in New York State or New York City that are going to be enormous, not to mention other states, too, including some red states or or, or at least, uh, you know, not pure blue um, right. guys. And, uh, Jim, what is the likelihood that we do get that either the three trillion dollar bill out of the House advances in the Senate or you get something that does aid the states, because you have to concern yourself with the possibility of significant municipal
4: layoffs as these states struggle to balance their budgets. It's all in Secretary Mnuchin's plate. Uh, He seems to have indicated no real interest right now in taking any action. I think that's where the biggest worry I have. I mean, that's where the V falls through the floor. It's got to happen. There's just numbers that are unfathomable here, and we're tweeting.
3: Guys, there's the opening bell. Uh, we'll watch closely here. Jim, really quickly uh, on the broad market, uh, what a run we've had uh, in the month of, uh, of May and April to some degree. Now you're at the end of the month. How, to what degree are we going to watch for people uh, reallocating, moving into fixed income, and taking some of their gains? Well, I've
4: got to tell you, there's some great uh, opportunities in fixed income. If you buy a, a pastiche of them, you can get something. Uh with the Fed backing them up, it's really, really attractive. I know a lot of people who are switching just because the income is so great. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a, there's tremendous opportunities. And then the recession stocks still have have decent yields. And I think those are going to come back in play, if only just because, you know, how much, how far can you take Carnival Cruise? I mean, you already have a double, right? Uh, Royal Caribbean. I mean, some of these stocks have just doubled and doubled and doubled. And then we start thinking, wow, and how much. How much is the consumer uh, really ready to book a cruise uh, in your term? Yes, next year, the prices are unbelievable. and I can show you some deals on Norwegian Cruise that would not even intrigue David because I know he goes nowhere. Uh, <laughs> David, we could go to Norwegian Cruise. We could go to Alaska together, you and me. I mean, we could be in the yeah. haven section yeah. where it has that beautiful, okay. y- y- beautiful solarium. Have you seen the solarium?
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: 700 no, bucks. No, I haven't. But listen.
1: Here's yeah. what I here's what I, if I get the if I have those antibodies uh, first thing I'm doing is I'm I'm going to Italy of course so
4: well, you know <laughs> put me down for that Jim. you got you can fly them lot. Okay. David you take the Arab Emirates flight at ten o'clock it leaves tonight okay. you'll be yep. there tomorrow morning at nine thirty and you will have the time of your life I'm 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 all over it we're waiting have, and we'll get some results mun- we'll see what you have heard they- immunity in that airport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Carl, you know, you mentioned, I think, or Jim did, Marko Klonovic from uh, from J.P. Morgan, who uh, surprisingly, because he hasn't been particularly bearish, was uh, put out a note this morning that's getting attention. Also, David Coston as well. I mean, Klonovic saying reopening only half the economy will not be sufficient to support our current forecast for all time highs in 2021. He also mentions a complete breakdown of supply chains, and international trade, primarily between U.S. and China, of course, uh, as a real risk for taking uh, equities lower. And then David Coston, who I know, Carl, you follow closely as well, also out with some less than positive comments, I guess I, I put it this morning, at least saying how we've already reached his targets for, for year end.
3: Mm, that's true. Although uh, on the flip side this week, guys, you had uh, Bank of America looking at positioning uh, Jim, which is some, sometimes the only thing people are w- curious about. And they point out asset managers are not uh, very long. Leverage funds are biggest net short S&P since, what, 2016? Right, and there's And if we do get any kind of – if we get, yeah, dry powder in money markets, if you do get a kind of summer rally, man, the catch-up trade – is going to be something uh, to watch. They argue.
4: If Secretary Munition were to call on this line right now, which is probably highly unlikely, and say, "You know what? We got to. We have to come back with a second part." Uh, then I think that the market, the move, is justified because we need to keep money in people's pockets. By the way. Uh, Anders Gustafsson, who he has the stock, is called Zebra Technologies. He came on in April and said, my business is good. And then the stock proceeded to go up 80 straight points. He's moved his, uh, a lot of his business out of China's going to Malaysia and going to Vietnam. And he's trying to do it as fast as possible to diversify. HP was not able to do that and got completely nailed. Uh, Dell has uh, took a huge amount of share away from HP. Uh, their supply chain was very well run. Cisco had, did manage their supply chain. Supply chain is what you have to ask they David always wants to ask CapEx, and that is absolutely on the on the top of list. How much CapEx are you shedding? The next thing that you ask is how much have you moved out of China? And those that have moved a lot out of China are having better than expected numbers because they're avoiding the tariffs.
1: Yeah, Uh, we didn't
4: talk HPQ
1: yesterday, Jim, after you'd had, of course. Wow. uh, the CEO on the night before it was down sharply yesterday, about 12%. I haven't gotten a look at it today. There it is. It's not doing much of anything no. today. Do you think part of it was, was actually share getting taken from Dell, as we see?
4: By the way, speaking of Dell, VMware CEO going to join us later. Michael Dell crushed it. Uh, Pat Gelson, you know, that's gonna be that's a great booking, by the way, uh, for VMware. They crushed it. They're doing a lot of stay-at-home and cloud work. But the Dell quarter, now there's a lot of part of the Dell that wasn't that great, but what really mattered is that they, decide, they went all in office at the, new, the home office, and they owned it. They owned it. And it was Michael Dell being his competitive best, and that's what we know about Michael. Michael is such a nice man, but when he decides to take share, he Kills it. And that was a beautiful quarter. Uh, 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 just, just magnificent. He, and he took it out of a lot of different people. That Dell deserves to trade like it is. That was a good quarter. I urge people to look at that quarter. When I say urge people to look at it, I, I mean, you know, when you're over the weekend, when you're trying to figure out what to do Saturday night because there's nothing to do, the Dell quarter, the Costco quarter, these are just monumental. <laughs> if you really want, you know, there's nothing to do during the pand- The pandemic. Well, yeah, no, there true. is. There's no, some fantastic—the yeah. Ulta conference call, David, I recommend that to you on I Saturday can't wait. night.
1: I can't wait. You know, I've been—Carl, I don't know about you. I've been keeping those those conference call transcripts aside just yeah. so I can enjoy no. them
3: on Saturday.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, I, I don't want uh, to get to them too quickly. I want to look forward to it. When are we going to break out it. the conference call? Judy will love it. Look, I mean, it's better yeah. than Netflix. I mean, because you know yeah. what? It, it goes mm-hmm. on and on and on. And, and in the end, you know, they don't get—the uh, you Narcos guys win, Okay. In these conference calls, the narcos guys win. <laughs> well, who won? Who won in hey guys, the uh, um, in the Ulta
1: conference call, Jim? Oh, by the, the way, David, uh, you their Omni Channel,
4: their, their Omni Channel yeah. was fabulous. It yeah. saved them. David, Omni Channel is yeah. when you can shop pretty much any touch point. That's what that's about. You know, you don't. I know. You don't. You, how do you buy those? No, clothes I don't do either?
1: anything. I know it's weak. But would you get this I, I don't. They just they just get delivered to me. TJX does not really have a great. very
4: good, they have an okay online. Burlington is gonna come back <laughs> they, with a good. vengeance. Uh, the Dollar Tree. I mean, you guys had Philbin. David, is your Dollar Tree as good as mine? I got these. These were part of a package. You can get five for five. Five pairs of sunglasses for five bucks. And you know if you don't like them, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> Try doing that with Ray (laughs) Baird's. Yeah, I'm not going to. (laughs) Hey, guys, uh,
3: you know, we uh, we've been tracking this um, performance based payout for Elon Musk over at Tesla. And it does seem now, according to the proxy statement, that Elon uh, has earned the first tranche. This is for options that would allow for the purchase of about one point seven million shares at three fifty worth just shy of, say, eight hundred million based on. The close of eight oh five eighty one yesterday. Um, so uh, this is for keeping the company's market cap at hundred billion or more on a thirty day and six month moving average. We'll see if he keeps this
4: train running. Stock's up ninety three percent for the year. What's incredible is that every, the shorts were coming into me and saying, "But uh, uh, Jimmy Joe, have you seen that? There's actually I think there's discounts. There's discounts." And I'm I saying like. Oh, stop bothering me. It's Elon Musk. It's a technology company. Don't hit me with these discounts. Uh, and obviously others agree because it continues to go higher. Only 11 percent short right now. You would have thought there was more short, uh, particularly because, as, as you said, Carl, there are maximum short positions for a lot of different companies. This is China. This is a China comeback story. And, and people have to start thinking of it like that. This is everyone has noted in their quarters that China's been the star. Uh, and Tesla, it's going to be the star. I went to a Lamborghini factory, which, again, I uh, dropped the Tic Tac. You can eat it off the floor. I mean, all the Lamborghinis go to China. And that was that was pre-COVID. Uh, Tesla's just going to crush that, that high end market. So it, he deserves everything. We've got to go watch the launch this weekend, right? Is,
3: it, is there is there any risk that he uh, Elon is asked to choose in terms of allegiance between the United States and China? Mm-hmm.
4: Wow. Oof. Jeez. I don't know. I didn't even. Wow. Uh, like, yes, the president obviously could tweet that. Would that be Dorsey wouldn't even have a response if he tweeted that. That's incredible. That's a great one. That's a great. That's a puzzle. It's like, a you know, a jumble. Yeah. I got to work on that. Yeah. While I'm oh. busy reading it, by the way, the Costco conference. Do probably. we Carl, I think I, Carl,
1: I think at this point we still don't know. Uh, speaking of that, when the president is expected to speak today, as, as we've been led to believe right. um, with a press conference on China. You mentioned, of course, the one-word tweet, China. Right. Or China. But uh, uh, that's all we've got so far, so we'll have to wait and see. But there's going to be a lot of focus on that, Jim, when he does speak, in part because the, the tone, tenor of
4: it will be very important right. in terms of trying to gauge just how bad things are. And we don't know when the press conference is. We just, it's just kind of up in the air. Right. I think a lot of people are trying to position short ahead of it so they can cover when he says that whatever he says. But I, I continue to think that it is the major story other than the fact that one out of every four people are unemployed in the country. This is like, we don't want the t- t- large terror. I mean, there's, we don't want a replay of, of, a, of a Hoover economics picture. I mean, you never really want to take your cue from Hoover's economic game plan. It was right. suboptimal. Ne- Yeah. Meanwhile,
1: Carl, personal income was up a shocking amount. Uh, One off, I guess, is what many are saying.
3: Yeah, uh, up 10.5. It kind of, I think, uh, through Santelli and maybe Steve for for a loop for just a moment, but uh, 8% drop in wages and salaries, an 89.6 month-on-month jump in transfers from the government. Uh, So that sort of makes sense. Uh, Spending, though, down uh, 13.6, Jim. And we saw what consumption did yesterday on that GDP print down 6.8. So all your concerns about the consumer are well-founded. I'm sure Powell will be asked about that. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw this Time story that Google is rescinding offers to several thousand who had agreed to work there as either temporary or contract workers. So we we tend to pay a lot of attention to to Google's actions just given their visibility and their familiarity with – Things like pandemics, so
4: things that go viral. This is uh, the opposite of what some of the Mark Benioff's been urging everyone to take a pledge to keep everybody. Now, I I know this is not, these are temporary and a lot of people are. The rescinding is is something that we don't talk enough about. Look, I think there's going to be a wave of unemployed when school is over that typically uh, would get jobs. And it reminds me of that you need the CCC, a civilian conservation corp. You need people to plant trees. I mean, we've got to start thinking New Deal here. The New Deal playbook has to be dusted off, not the Twitter playbook, but the New Deal playbook. It's time to go over what worked with FDR. I know that sounds dire, but can we just accept the fact that it is unacceptable for a great nation to have one in four unemployed? This is a great nation.
3: Uh, Let's hope, Jim, that that number changes for the better in the coming quarters. Quick break here, a couple, uh, few minutes into trade on this Friday morning and this final day of May. A lot more still to come with Powell on deck in about an hour and 20 minutes. Don't go away. It's another big day of Econ Data. We're going to get to Chicago PMI now. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Yes, we're expecting our May read on Chicago PMI. Last week, excuse me, last month, 35.4. That was the weakest since 2009. And this one, lower than that, 32.3, 32.3. We're expecting a number higher, so this is definitely nothing good to look at. And when was the last time we were at these levels? Well, you'd have to go back to March of 09. So we're covering that whole nine. Just to give you some context, 20.7 from June of 80 was the all-time low on this series going back to 1967. But, of course, we're going to continue to watch the PMIs and ultimately University of Michigan coming up to see if we've turned the corner. Carl? Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in just a few moments. In the meantime, let's get over to our Meg Terrell this morning, who has a very special guest. Morning, Meg.
2: Good morning, Carl. Well, the world's largest cancer research conference kicks off today, ASCO. And, of course, this year it is virtual. We're joined by Bristol-Myers Squibb CEO Dr. Giovanni Cafforio. Giovanni, thank you for being with us. You know, it's a really different format for the meeting this year. All of the information just being posted online help us sort through from your perspective, what is the most important update from Bristol Myers at this meeting?
5: Meg, thanks for uh, having me. It is, uh, it is an important ASCO. It's my 15th ASCO. Uh, and as you can imagine, it's the first time we have a virtual meeting. Uh, let me just start by saying, it's really important to have this meeting because we know that the uh, oncology community has been impacted very significantly by the COVID pandemic. We, Uh, We know that over 50% of patients have challenges accessing healthcare today. And so bringing together uh, scientists and researchers to continue to advance the science that patients need at this time is really important. For us, uh, it's an important task. It's the first task as a new company, and we are showing the breadth and depth uh, of our pipeline. We're we're presenting uh, a lot of really exciting data in immuno-oncology, uh, and specifically with Obdivo and the airborne lung cancer, uh, cell therapy, an area where uh, we are planning on being the leader. We have uh, really important data presentations there, and then a lot about the future of our pipeline and early releases for potential new medicines.
2: Well, I want to ask you about the lung cancer space because just a few days ago, the FDA approved your drug Opdivo with your other drug Yervoy in combination with limited chemotherapy in a certain setting for non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, How would you say that approval and the data supporting it uh, position you uh, in the race, particularly against Merck's Keytruda?
5: Well, Meg, uh, first of all, what's important to remember is that patients with lung cancer need new treatment options. There is still... Uh, an unmet need in, in a competitive space. But uh, physicians are looking for new options and patients need new treatment options. I'm really pleased with the fact that we've received two approvals in less than two weeks for Obdivo and Yervoy. Remember that this combination has already shown the ability to prolong survival in four tumor types. And now in first-line lung cancer, we're going to present uh, the data at ASCO. And uh, the issue here. Uh, is really the opportunity to provide long-term survival to patients. What we are hearing is that there are many patients that want a chemotherapy-free option, which is now possible, and also uh, the opportunity of limited cycles of chemotherapy. So I think we have an important role to play in lung cancer.
4: See you. I want to talk about eloquence. I know this is a cancer uh, oncology conference, but I look at this drug, Eliquis, and I remember a few years ago when my father uh, was dying, uh, the uh, doctor said, look, we have this new drug Eliquis, and it is so much better than warfarin. It's so much better than Xeralto. We think it could give your father a few more years. And I keep seeing it. I never hear about it. I never hear about how important this drug is. Could you have 100% of this market at one point?
5: Jim, it's one of our most important medicines and uh, uh, we are already the leader globally uh, in terms of new anticoagulants and there is significant opportunity to continue to grow. There are some patients that are still receiving warfarin uh, and we are seeing the adoption of Eliquis continue to grow there. Importantly, I have, I have there are many question. patients that are not being treated yet and then there are patients that are not even yet diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. So, there is significant opportunity to continue to grow. eliquids. it's already uh, the leading medicine in the world in its field.
4: Oh, let me ask you about full-page ads that I've been seeing about Updivo and your voice. Uh Bristol, previous to you, made some claims, uh, including full-page uh, ads and also TV ads, that uh, brought some uh, some, uh, some criticism. Of bristol as being uh overstating the what it could do uh, when i see those full page ads i do get concerned that uh that some people will get too much hope uh, why do you do those and uh, why are they necessary
5: well first of all jim let me say we're, we're making great progress and in fact it was 10 years ago at asco that we presented the very first data uh, on the Airboy in immune oncology and we were discussing increasing survival by a few months today Ten years later, we're discussing the the potential for long-term survival. We are very focused on educating uh, patients on the potential options available to them. We believe it is important. Uh, And clearly, uh, we work with physicians and and patient advocacy organizations all the time to make sure that the value of our medicines is, uh, is understood. You will have noticed. Uh, that in our ads, as an example, we always thank patients and researchers that participate in our research. uh, And we believe it is really important to continue to focus on education.
1: Uh, Dr. Carforio, it's David Faber. My question is specific to um, your plans to resubmit an application for IDESEL after the FDA uh, filed a refusal to file letter Can you update us at all? It's been a couple of weeks since your conference call when you last commented on that. Do you still expect that you will resubmit by the end of July at the latest?
5: David, yes. Uh, Let me uh, first say that I I am really confident in the clinical profile of Idacel. And in fact, we will be presenting updated data at ASCO which really shows the transformative potential of this medicine. The FDA asked for uh, more information. We don't need to. Um, conduct any new trial to address the requests from the FDA. We are working on submitting no later than July, and we're very much on track.
1: Uh, and you know, you, you were actually, I think, uh, Samir Hirawat, Hirawa, your chief medical officer, had indicated the issues had to do with, um, with chemistry. Can you give us some sense as to what the FDA's problem
5: was there? Uh, David, it's really about the level of information required by the FDA. It has to do uh, with parts of the application that have to do with the manufacturing uh, process. It is not about clinical data. uh, And it really is about the level of detail uh, that the FDA wants us to include in the submission. So uh, it's data we have. We are working on it. And we're going to be resubmitting uh, before the end of July.
2: Giovanni, I want to ask you a little bit about the situation we find ourselves in with COVID-19. One of the things the pandemic has really exposed is the reliance of the supply chain for medicines on China and on India. And now there is such a push in the United States to uh, have medicines be sourced from America and be made in America with lots of legislation being discussed, even an executive order uh, being rumored about this. How would this affect Bristol-Myers? Is, is it possible to make your drugs in America in a relatively short period of time and to change those supply chains?
5: Well, Meg, it's an important topic. I think it's uh, uh, critical to be very thoughtful about this. From our perspective at Bristol-Myers Squibb, Uh, Our supply chain is in the United States and Europe. Uh, And throughout the pandemic, we've actually never really stopped working. We've been able to continue to deliver medicines to patients globally with no interruptions. So the issue of the supply chain in our industry uh, is really important. And from our perspective, um, we've worked really well through the challenges of the pandemic. We've continued to supply medicines with no interruptions.
4: Uh, Dr. Caffaro, I still want to keep up. Uh, I know every time you're on, I ask about Celgene because it's so important. But I also like to ask about away from Revlimid. Any anything new, because it's such an exciting company. And we only really end up talking about Revlimit, 6% price increase, I know. But I, I'm far more interested in the ancillaries.
5: You know, the uh, the performance of Revlimit continues to be very strong. We had a great uh, first quarter as a company, and Revlimit was part uh, of the growth of our business uh, we received recently a, a new uh, indication, the approval for a new indication in, in lymphoma. Revlimid continues to be really the backbone uh, of therapy in uh, in multiple myeloma. We are working on developing the next generation of medicines that will continue to improve the outcomes of patients with multiple myeloma. But Revlimid is doing very well. It's an important part of our company. Uh, and uh, things are going well. Things are actually going well Uh, across the board with the integration uh, with Celgene and uh, uh, the integration is progressing very well. I'm even more optimistic about our company than I was uh, before we closed and uh, I've seen rapid progress uh, of the integration in the last few months.
2: And of course, you're doing that integration you know, in the midst of a pandemic, which is an unprecedented way to do it. And I do just want to, as my last question for you, bring it back to uh, the industry's role in this pandemic. And of course, you, you being the chairman of the pharma industry group, there is, of course, a major anti-vaccine push. How is the industry approaching that as a risk to, if it does bring a successful vaccine for this pandemic, uh, to people taking it?
5: Uh, Meg, we are continuing to focus on, on advancing science and the level of progress that I'm seeing across the industry working with the FDA, with NIH, is absolutely unprecedented. We are stepping up to the challenge of solving this health crisis. For Bristol Myers Squibb, uh, as a company that is 100% focused on innovation and transformative medicines, we are continuing to work on advancing our pipeline, which is the strongest it's ever been. The company is really well-positioned today. It is well-positioned for the future. And I think we have a real opportunity as a leader in healthcare to continue to play an important role at Bristol MySQL going forward.
2: All right, Dr. Giovanni Cafforio, joining us in an unusual way from the ASCO conference. Thanks for being with us today.
5: Thank you. Thanks to all of you.
3: Meg, thanks so much for that. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, Market holding 3025, but financials, uh, energy, industrials all lag with declines of more than 1%.
4: Jim, one more Mad Money of the Week before we get to recharge. All right. We've got Fastly a New Edition. Never had them on. We've got Elf. David, there's a proxy fight there that I'm sure you're following. And Zscaler, the stock that is up the most because they help people to work at home. I can't wait. I mean, these are all companies that are fast growers or uh, in the news. It's some, these weeks are amazing. Yeah, this one was uh, only four days.
3: <laughs> it certainly felt like more
4: than that, Jim. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's
6: Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.